You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Become a subscriber and support Radical Radio. Call 03-9419-8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning machine keeps turning death and hatred to mankind poisoning their brainwashed minds welcome to the anarchist world this week broadcast across australia on the national community radio satellite listen to the anarchist world this week australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse listen to analysis of local national international events to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live. It's coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, where the clocks, as usual, are not coordinated. But luckily, a very intelligent person who's pushed the buttons to put us on air has shown me a clock on a computer. I am so excited. If you wonder what anarchism is all about, an anarchist society is a voluntary non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making, which give all people equal access to wealth. And why those two concepts? It's inequalities in power and wealth which create most of the problems we face as communities and in the world today. So don't forget that. Now, look, 2024 is interesting. Well, every, every bloody day is interesting when you're alive. Or if it's not interesting, you make it interesting. And my name's Joseph Toscana, just in case I forgot. Um, but to me... Growing inequality, not identity politics, is the main should be the main focus in 2024. Because there's a lot of things happening in the world today which a lot of people really haven't thought about and put together. And we've seen, and we continue to see, the growth of authoritarian movements, not just, you know, in the usual corners of the planet, but also in so-called Western democracies. And the question we should be asking ourselves, what is feeding? What is feeding the Trumps of the world, the Le Pens of the world? What is feeding all these new authoritarian movements which are springing up everywhere, which basically means the end of progressive politics, the end of identity politics. Because you see, history isn't a linear line. That's a bit of a tautology, but it's not linear. People win struggles, they lose struggles. And history is about trying to maintain those gains that have been made. 
But there are periods in history, and you see this all the time, when gains which have been made by the blood, sweat and tears of people disappear, and in many cases almost overnight. And we're seeing this in many of the authoritarian regimes, but more importantly, we had expected it to be happening, but more importantly, we are now seeing it in the so-called Western democracies. As I said last week, the main reason we are seeing greater support for these social, political, cultural movements which centralise power is growing inequality. Now, it is pathetic to think that a private charity has to ring the alarm bells regarding growing inequality in the community at large. And once again, we saw a private charity 48 hours ago saying, guess what, boys and girls? The three richest people in Australia have doubled their wealth since 2020. So we're not talking about going from 10 to $20 or a million to $2 million or $100 million to $200 million. We're talking about going, you know, from $10 billion to $20 billion or $20 billion to $40 billion. And what was the reaction? What was the reaction from the universities, the public intellectuals, which have been muzzled now for decades? Nothing. What was the reaction from the, uh, the politicians? What was the reaction? from the Albanese-led Labor government, federally, and all the state-led Labor governments, which are facing oblivion, as I speak. Nothing. These are extraordinary figures. What was the reaction among the Australian population? Ah, oh, well, they shrugged their shoulders and kept working for the man and the woman in order to make a buck to pay their bills and keep a roof over their heads. No reaction. These are extraordinary figures which highlight the effect of growing inequality. And what does growing inequality do? Now, during the privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, deregulation revolution that we are now... We've been experienced for the last half a century. People have been told ad nauseum that if you remove the regulations that governments have put in place to protect people, they'll be better off. That if you allow public assets to be literally given away to the public sector, we'll all be better off. And obviously all of you looking at your electricity and gas bills will be enjoying the results of privatisation of these essential services. And all of those of you fighting with financial institutions which keep ringing you up every few days to see whether you're going to pay a bloody loan will be so better off because the, there's no more public banking and the list goes on and on. 
And then all of those of you who are happy with your latest little gadget, which Afterpay can pay over a period of time, through globalisation, will be so happy that you've got a little gadget while you're having difficulty finding well-paid, secure work. And the list goes on and on. So the fact is that the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, revolution, yes, I know they're boring words, but they are important words, has changed Australian society and most other societies. It's turned things onto their head. Because the 19th century, as I keep banging on, and the first half of the 20th century was about struggles which fought growing inequality. And these struggles occurred in Australia. These are struggles you never hear about because they don't fit the narrative we're supposed to know. People seem to forget that or don't understand that the even the pathetic positives they have at work today or in terms of social security benefits are all due to struggle. They weren't given to people because they begged and beseeched and doffed their cap to the ruling classes. It doesn't work that way. So the dilemma is, with the ascendancy of identity politics, we have seen a total lack of interest in growing inequality. And growing inequality creates the cannon fodder that is being manipulated and used by authoritarian tendencies in our society to promote their hate-filled agenda. And unless growing inequality is tackled, we don't have a hope of actually being able to win, let alone resist what is happening in our society today. All you've got to do is get out of your little shell and talk to people and you can see how this cancer is spreading. Not only is it spreading, it's been accepted as essential for the survival of particular groups. So the way to tackle rising authoritarian tendencies within society is to tackle growing inequality. And I believe that the main... No, not believe, think. I don't believe anything. Think that the main way to counter this significant threat is by tackling that issue. And if we don't tackle that issue, things will get worse. It's all very well talking about, you know, a few 
city-centric, you know, seats, political seats where people have got so-called progressive ideas. It's another thing, looking at the rest of society outside of a five to ten kilometre radius from a major city CBD and see the issues that people are facing. And until we can actually link people's increasing insecurity financially and personally with the failures of corporatisation and globalisation and deregulation and privatisation, we will get nowhere. Things will go backwards in 2024. So I'm going to try to define these concepts because you and I may have an inkling of what they mean, but because these ideas are not part of general conversation, apart from a marginal, you know, minority, what we need to be able to do is explain what it means. And I'll, I'll try to go through it and make it as easy as possible because the thing about political change is about being able to communicate ideas. Now, privatisation is a very simple concept. It's about believing the private sector always does it better. So what happens is that public assets which have provided essential services for the population for decades, which have been built up through the blood, sweat and tears of Australians, are virtually given away to the private sector. And when you privatise, you do three things. Majority of publicly listed companies make profits and those profits go back to Treasury, which assists the population as a whole. The majority of publicly owned companies and institutions provide services and these services in a significant proportion of cases are not based on a fee-for-service principle. So if you've got money, you can buy the best education in the world. If you've got money, you can buy the best health care in the world. But if you don't have that, you know, money, you're, you're stuffed. Try it. Go out into the community. Don't have any cash or plastic or mobile phone in your hand, any virtual money, and go out there and see how you survive for the next two to three days. I can assure you you'll be sleeping in the rain by the end of 24 hours. The fact is that privatisation and the last aspect of privatisation is it decreases competition in a mixed economy. When you have public facilities competing against private facilities, there's always competitions. When you privatise institutions like Telecom, Commonwealth Bank, Qantas, what happens is that competition disappears. So no wonder 
as far as housing is concerned, there is a housing affordability crisis because there is no significant public sector providing housing to provide competition. So the whole of housing, even if it's called social community housing, is in private hands. So there isn't obviously no competition. That's privatisation. I I spoke about deregulation. People talk about green tape, you know, red tape. Now, obviously, there is some regulation which can be a little bit onerous. But at the end of the day, a lot of regulations are put in place to protect people, whether it's regulations regarding work activity, whether it's regulations regarding interactions between, you know, different parts of the community. And when you remove these regulations, what you do is you give the private sector, you know, a rubber stamp basically to do what they like. I mean, there are sections of our community that are calling for the abolition of a basic wage. Yep, abolition of a basic wage. Abolition of many of the uh, regulations that have been put in place to protect people not just in the community, but in their workplaces. And the list goes on and on. Then you've got corporatisation. Now, the best way to understand corporatisation is to walk into a mall. I know they're dying out. You can, you know, you can walk into an Amazon virtually. What do you see? You see the same corporate entities over and over and over and over and over again. It doesn't matter where you go in Australia, and even overseas, it's the same brand names. That's what corporatisation is. It's about allowing corporations to dominate the marketplace in their particular field of interest and therefore manipulate the marketplace to maximise their profits at the expense of the community. No wonder the Labor Party has been forced to hold an investigation into what happens between the farm gate and between the time you buy your goodies in a supermarket. And then we've got globalisation. Now, globalisation is a very simple concept. You run a business, you want to decrease your costs, You go to some part of the universe where you can pay people $2 a day, not worry about workers' comp, sickness pay, holiday pay, etc., etc. That's what globalisation is. And what's the reward? You get cheap imports. Instead of washing your clothes, you can chuck them out and buy another $5 T-shirt next week. And the list goes on and on. So the so-called privatised revolution which was going to lift us up by the bootstraps and make us all millionaires has failed miserably. So who do we blame? Do we blame the forces in society? You know, not who do I blame, but who do we blame as as a community? We blame those people who have improved their personal situation by being involved in identity politics. It's the Aboriginal's fault. It's the gay's fault. And the list goes on and on. It's their fault. They get in everything. 
It's the refugees' fault, the asylum seekers' fault. We're getting nothing. So instead of focusing on the real reasons why there is growing inequality and why people are having trouble sending their kids to school, why we have private charities, you know, raising money to send Australian kids to schools, why there's why there's over a million children living in poverty, while one third of the population lives on almost less than the uh, poverty line, why social security benefits are so low, the list goes on and on, because obviously those billionaires and those millionaires who've doubled their wealth in the last three and a half years have somehow skimmed the cream off the cake. And when you get your piece of little slice of cake, there's no cream, not even any sugar in it. Uh, woe is me, woe is me. As poor old Xavier Herbert used to say, poor fella my country, poor fella my country. So, if you think of being active in 2024, even just talking to people around you is activism. Keep this ideas in your head. It is growing inequality, which is fueling the growth of authoritarian movements around the world. Trump would not be Trump without growing inequality, without the support he has from those sections of the community that have been left behind through both identity politics and neoliberalism. It's the same today here. Any part of the world, think about it. All right, let's, while we're talking about, this is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscone, I'm hosting today's program. Look, if you're interested in uh, combating growing inequality, I encourage you to join public interest before corporate interest. You can join online, pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Because obviously as an individual there's not much we can do, but when we come together, like-minded people, we've got a greater chance of changing things. Now, a lot of, I know a lot of people say, like the Stoics used to say, don't worry about things you can't change. Well, we can change anything and everything. And the history of humanity is a history of change. And if anybody tells you that your individual effort is useless, that you can't fight City Hall, that should, you should continue to be part of the somebody should do something about that tribe or I'm going to tribe, they're going to tribe, well, ignore them because we are the people we've been waiting for. Think about it. All right. Now, last week, it's, this is fascinating about the news cycle, isn't it? Last week, Port Moresby exploded. Looting, fires, people dying, people being gunned down. The city exploded. Now, I don't know if how many of you have been to Papua New Guinea, but the fact is, if you think growing inequality is an issue in Australia, or if you know growing inequality is an issue in Australia, growing inequality in Papua New Guinea 
which is a government where there are governments and oppositions which are basically based on corruption, it was is a significant issue. It's a huge issue. Most people in Port Moresby have come there from outlying provinces, living in shanty towns, getting a bit of work when they can, been involved in illegal activity to survive. So the fact that Port Moresby exploded is not news to anybody who is familiar with the situation in Papua New Guinea. The fact is, it's surprising that it hasn't exploded before. Now, obviously, the military, which was called out, and the government, which declared a state of emergency, is able to put a lid temporarily on the issues which revolve around growing inequality. But the fact is that you may rebuild the stores. The fact is that unless the problem of inequality in Papua New Guinea is tackled through major political change, Port Moresby will burn over and over and over again, irrespective of the indiscriminate uh, force that is used by police and the armed forces in Papua New Guinea. Because what's happening in Australia is a microcosm of what's happening in Papua New Guinea. And you don't, it doesn't matter what part of the world you look at, because we are now part of a so-called global village, inequality is the issue of the day. Let's move on. Now, I know it's unpleasant, but we need to look at this. I know our foreign minister, our foreign minister, our, no, the Australian foreign minister, Penny Wong is in the Middle East doing the best she can in a situation she finds herself in where we're all supposed to be great supporters of uh, Israel. Now, last week, when I opened my mouth, I wanted you to envisage the number of people, mostly civilians, and to a significant degree children under 12, that have died in the Gaza carnage. I'm not going to use the word war. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. If somebody came to my abode and robbed me, and then I beat the shit out of them and stabbed them in the heart, because I was very, very angry because they touched, you know, something that I liked, I'd be charged with murder. It's that simple. I've overreacted, okay? Now, nobody's denying that the pent-up despair and disillusionment which has existed in Gaza, which has been the world's blockade of the last, what, 16 years, the world's largest prison, caused the deaths of 1,200-plus Israelis. Nobody's denying that. But nobody actually looks at the background. Riots don't happen as they happened in Port Moresby for no reason. And what happened in southern Israel didn't happen for no reason. History didn't start on, was it the 7th of October, 2023. You've got to look at the 75-year history, you know, which led to that 
breakout. But last week I said that if you lined up every Palestinian that's been killed in Gaza, which has got a population of about 2.3 million people, in a little area the size of maybe a third of Melbourne, not a big place, which has been pounded by airstrikes constantly. Well, the death rate last week, and again, it's mainly civilians and children, was 22,500. And I said, just imagine you go, on, you go for a walk and every metre there is a body. You would have to walk last week 22.5 kilometres to get the end of the line. Well, guess what? Another milestone today. If you go for a walk, counting bodies, you're up to 25,000. So I've increased from 22.5,000 to 25,000 in a week. Extraordinary. And that's not talking about all the other people in Gaza who are dying through lack of medical assistance and medical aid, lack of medications, the list goes on and on. So what does the warmonger, Mr Biden, do? He shoots a few missiles at the Houthi rebels in Yemen and saying that we need to protect the world's trade routes. 15% of the world's trade goes through the Red Sea and the Suez Canal. Well, how about the 25,000 Gazans or Palestinians that have been killed in the last three months? How about the indiscriminate bombing? How about the war crimes that have been committed? How about the fact that the West continues to sit on its hands and even our very own Penny Wong says Israel has the right to defend ourselves. Obviously I've got the right to defend myself if somebody breaks into my hacienda, but I haven't got the right to dismember them. That's what people talk about, you know, international law. There's no such thing as international law. International law doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. So it's lunacy. Total lunacy. Could you imagine if the Iranian Ayatollahs had slaughtered 25,000 people in a three-month period? The outcry in the world. I mean, the West, hypocrisy is thy name. And the fact is that they want us to forget. They want us to forget that the slaughter is continuing through their press conferences and their media conferences. You know, we're told, well, you know, we're doing all we can. Think about it. Think about the situation that's occurred. Think about the resistance to a ceasefire. And it's an see to think that you're going to be able to ex- eradicate Hamas as a political and military entity, it not just in Gaza but the West Bank. It's not going to happen. It doesn't matter how many 
civilians you kill, it's not going to happen because all that is being created is a new generation of militants who survived this as children who will remember what's happened, who will join in their thousands as they grow older the resistance movement to the Israeli occupation. So instead of doing something to bring the carnage to a halt, the West sits on its fingers and talks about the right that Israel has to defend itself. Hmm? So I wonder how long that line will be, that little walk I've got to take next week. I had to do 22.5 kilometres, you know, as I counted the bodies last week, 25 kilometres this week. The way it's going, we may even get to a marathon. Hmm? Think about it. Just think about it. Because the fact is that we're ultimately responsible. Now, our government, to give it credit, is kind of, you know, a bit wishy-washy about it all, but at least they didn't send a warship to uh, the Red Sea to protect trade. So, but I was very disappointed in the fact that Madam Wong, when she went to the, has gone to the Middle East, offered $20 million for aid package. Now, we're a very rich country. You can't even buy a nice mansion on Sydney Harbour for $20 million. You need at least 35 to $40 million. And all we can do, after 2, point, after two million people have been displaced, after 25,000 have been slaughtered, all we can do is offer $20 million. Come on. Come on. I mean, I know people are fearful of the Israeli uh, lobby in Australia. We saw how they turfed out an ABC staff member because she may have had some leanings towards supporting the Palestinian struggle. I mean, you can't have one member of the ABC being involved in that, can you? And I know they like to, you know, rattle the sabre, but remember, there's all types of Israelis and the Zionists who masquerade as the majority voice in Israel and Australia may not be the majority they think they are. Because ultimately, as in all wars, there will be some type of endpoint. And that endpoint is not based on the ability of the Israeli army to actually eradicate Hamas from Gaza. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via uh, the Community Radio Network. Now, I'm a little bit concerned. Now, I really wonder about parliamentary democracy. If you look at our near neighbours in the US of A. Looks like they're going to an election at the end of the year. Be lucky to get 60% of the population actually voting. It was a little bit like the Taiwanese election, which we were told was life and death, you know. But the fact is less than 70% of Taiwanese bothered to cast a ballot. 
and it'd be lucky to 30 or 40% of Americans actually vote for the Congress or the Senate. But it seems to be a two-horse race between a warmonger, an old-fashioned warmonger, Mr Biden. We see, you know, the United States now trying to expand the conflict. And a megalomaniac. What a choice. What a choice. Is that what parliamentary democracy has been reduced to? To a contest between a warmonger and a megalomaniac? So I think it's time that we started thinking as a country, as a sovereign nation state. I mean, the first responsibility of a government in a sovereign nation state is to protect its citizens. Unlike the Israeli uh, government and, and armed forces, who, you know, supposedly has the best intelligence system in the world, didn't actually realise Hamas was going to break out of Gaza. Had no inkling. We're talking about thousands of people being involved. No inkling. And the obvious reason that Netanyahu continues to, you know, promote this war is very simple. Because he knows that as soon as the war finishes, he's finished politically. Because this happened on his watch. It's the same here. We, we've integrated our military hardware with the American military hardware. We've integrated our defence system with their defence system. The old LBJ slogan of 64, all the way of LBJ, continues to be the mainstay of the Australian defence policies. I mean, the sacrifice that was made in Afghanistan was basically a blood sacrifice to the American-US alliance. Now, isn't it time to cut the apron strings? Isn't it time that we stood on our own two feet? Isn't it time that we realised we can't attach a tugboat to Australia and pull it to the west coast or the east coast of the US of A? That we are here. Here. In this part of the world. And our defence is tied up with what's happening in this part of the world. Let's move on. Now, Santos dreaming. So Santos won in court an emergency injunction against the extension of the pipeline into the Timor Sea for their gas supplies to Korea and Japan has been overturned and the Tiwi Islanders have lost their little battle. And I heard the same political politicians and the same corporate apologists come out and say, what a wonderful victory for Australia. Come on. This is a wonderful victory for Santos. All the gas that's going to be found off on the Australian shelf won't be coming, not one cc will be coming to Australia. It's all going to be exported. And guess what? Santos won't be paying any tax for at least another 20 to 30 years because of the so-called investment it's made in creating the infrastructure to extract that gas. 
So here we are celebrating Santos's court victory. And again, not highlighting that this has got nothing to do with improving Australia's situa- Australian situation. It's just like most of our mineral resources. They're extracted for a peppercorn rent, for a little bit of tax voluntary taxation by these major corporations. Do you think we'd need an, a charity to raise money to send Australian kids to public schools if we actually owned and mined and exported our own resources so that the profits that are made didn't end up in the pocket of uh, major shareholders around the world. Hmm? Come on, let's grow up. Let's begin to understand what's happening around us. I mean, sometimes I, I wake up and I think to myself, how dumb can you get? And then I think to myself, well, we can get dumb. Although that doesn't make any sense. You know, and I understand why. We got the Australian Open. We had our Mary become Queen of, was it Denmark? You know, we've got all these all these things we can do on the net. Uh, we can, you know, go to the Amazon store and enjoy ourselves. And then there's a cricket. There's the Big Bash. There's this. There's that. There's the Grand Prix, all these extraordinary things where if we fork out a few bucks, or a lot of bucks in some cases, we can turn our gaze away from the reality that we face. But not for long. Because reality has a habit of biting you on the butt. And that's what we're going to find in 2024. Positive news story. Myanmar. Now we know that when the a little bit of history, the actual uh, Myanmar military was established, believe it or not, by the Japanese imperial forces when they invaded Burma. It was a British colony during World War Two, and they established the Myanmar military. And it is basically based on, continues to be based on that very organisational uh, structure. And now, after a long struggle the Myanmar military was pushed a little bit to the sidelines by the election of a government. But a few years ago, and again, we haven't seen any great outpouring of rage here, even by Australia, the Myanmar military, throughout the elected government, jailed most of their opposition. But unfortunately for them, Many younger people went into the jungles to fight with many of the separatist movements on the periphery of Burma, but more importantly, set up their own ragtag army. Now, that ragtag army has brought the military dictatorship to its knees and it's forced them to declare a ceasefire. Now, obviously, this is a tactical manoeuvre by the Myanmar military to uh, rearm, possibly through the aid of its uh, the Chinese Communist Party. But the fact is, this is a ragtag army of ordinary people who've been able to halt 
and push back a military dictatorship. Now, obviously, hundreds, if not thousands, have died in that struggle. But the fact is, the people of Myanmar didn't say, oh, what's the point of fighting City Hall? We can't win. They haven't had any support, military support, or even financial support by the US of A or little old Australia. Their struggle has basically been relegated to the you know, full stop in uh, news coverage, if any coverage. And these are our near neighbours. Our near neighbours. And that's the situation we find ourselves in. So congratulations. Let's hope they can keep up the momentum because I keep saying to people, political struggle is about creating momentum, pushing that momentum forward in order to create change. And if there's one thing we should be celebrating is the ability of ordinary people, young people mainly, being able to bring a, a military dictatorship to its knees, not because of Western support, not because of overseas support, but because of the sacrifices they were willing to make. Let's move on. Just like to remind you about the Tanaminaway Morbohini commemoration, which will be held in Melbourne this Saturday, the 25th of January. It starts at midday at the Tanaminaway Morbohina Monument at the corner of Victoria Street and Franklin Street in Melbourne. It's a, it's a commemoration, not a protest, not a vigil. It's a commemoration. It's based on the story of Tanaminuaya Mulbohina, Putirana, Planabina and Traganini. They are involved in a resistance against the colonisation of Victoria in 1841. They were eventually arrested. Tanaminuaya Mulbohina were hung on the 20th of January 1842 and the three women were found not guilty and released to the care of Mr Augustus Robertson. So why is this a pivotal moment? To me, the 20th of January should be National First Nations Freedom Fighters Day. We have a, a day, the 25th of April, where we commemorate those men and women who died in the majority of cases fighting other people's wars in other, in other countries. But we don't have a national day to celebrate, to commemorate, not celebrate, but commemorate those tens of thousands of First Nations people, both Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, who died resisting colonisation, whose impact, that colonisation's process, the impact continues today, over 230 years later. The difference about Tanaminaway and Mulborhina was the fact they weren't killed with smallpox-encrusted blankets or poison flour or hacked to, death in the, hacked to death in the dark of the night. They were executed under the British system for the crime of resisting white colonisation. So we will commemorate that event this Saturday on the 20th of January. Uh, Janet Gulpin from the Bunarong 
Um, Land and Sea Council will be doing the uh, Welcome to Country and then we'll have one or two guest speakers and then we'll invite people to come and speak. The first hour of the commemoration will be heard on Community Radio 3CR, that's 3cr.org.au. Uh, from 12 to 1, at 1 o'clock we'll march or we'll walk silently to the Queen Victoria Market to where we believe their bodies are buried. Please bring along flowers to place on the monument and to place at their burial site. Uh, so, welcome you to come along. It is a Saturday. It is end of the school holidays. It's a great opportunity to bring children so that they can understand how this country was um, colonised. So this Saturday, 25th January. Now just in case, now the the sacred cows have come into, into the studio and they're very excited because they said, guess what, Joe? There's a caste system in Australia. And I said, what do you mean there's a caste system in Australia? They said, no, there is a caste system. And I said, but... A caste system is when you're born into a particular group and you're never going to get anywhere because that's where, that's your place in society. And I said, but I live in Australia. We don't have a caste system in Australia. And the cows looked at me, the sacred cows looked at me and said, Jay, you're hallucinating. You've been taking too much LSD because we're very happy. We now have a caste system in Australia. And I said, why? They said, because... They've destroyed the social elevator. I said, what do you mean? Well, you remember the good old days when you went to university, you know, and you came from a, you know, a family that didn't have any money and they freed up the university system and you're able to claw your way out of the situation you found in. Guess what? Kiddies in Australia can't do that anymore. You can get the best education money can buy if you're parents or guardians can send you to a private school, yep, or you can go to an underfunded, under-resourced public school. And the beauty is you've now created a beautiful caste system in Australia. We now have charities that have been established that raise money. And we know this sounds funny, the cows said to me, the sacred cows. We have charities that raise money to send Australian kiddies to public schools. And I said, but public schools, it's free education. <laughs> the cows laughed. They said, well, we haven't got the privatisation of public education. And I thought to myself, what smart, sacred cows. Fancy having a caste system. That's what growing inequality does. And the problem is that those people who find themselves in that situation are not pointing the finger at the small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communications, whose wealth has doubled in the last three and a half years, they're pointing the finger at everybody else. And the cow said, that's the way it should be. That's what a car system is about. Well, thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. The thing about 2024 is... Look, every day is a great day if you're alive. I don't know what it's like when you're dead. Some people tell me that, you're, you know, you, it's all eternity. Others tell me that's the end of life. I'll find out one day uh, at my age sooner than later. But the thing is, every day is a great day. Why let the bastards tell you it isn't? Why let them tell you that you can't 
do anything or change anything. Think about all the things you're doing, how you're wasting your time. Maybe there is some little group in your corner of the universe that you could join and assist to try to break that nexus, you know, that growing inequality in our society. Because if you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. As I said before, when it takes a private charity to tell us, the Australian people, not you and me, we know, that the wealth of the richest three people in this country has doubled in the last three and a half years and there is no response from any government, government agency, university, you know there's only one person you can rely on and that's you. Because I keep saying to people, we are the people we've been waiting for. A few websites, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, pibci.net. If you like watching YouTubes, I suggest you go to Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. You've got 300 YouTubes reduced by yours. Truly unbelievable. I can't believe that I've done all that. Then you can go to the other YouTube channel, josephtoscana.nam, N-A-A-R-M, where I've looked at 19th century radical history and about 10 lectures. You can go to the webpage, Joseph Toscana. You can go to the Tunner Mall, T U N E R Mall, M A E U L dot com um, Facebook page. There's a lot of stuff you can do. You can even write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And next week, I'm going to talk about how you're going to help me pay my bills at Community Radio 3CR because it costs us $80 to $100 every week in studio fees to do this. Without your support, it's going to be a difficult year. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Where would we be without the Community Radio Network? And also thanks to those people at 4 Z in Brisbane who also broadcast The Anarchist World this week. And if you want to leave polite messages, 0439 395 489. 0439 39395489 Robbie's walked into the studio the next program is about to fall upon us good to see you okay how are we going with the sacred cows they're putting up a lot of fight look i tell you what there's nothing like a good car system thank you for listening to the anarchist world this week on your local community radio station courtesy of the community radio network Minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. 
3CR is radical radio, and that means more than just alternative current affairs and political coverage. We're radical because we're an independent media outlet, owned and operated by the community. We're radical because we give communities the control of their own shows, with their own music, in their own languages. We're radical because we provide a media platform for communities to build their own power to create social change. Become a subscriber and support Radical Radio. Call us on 03 9419 8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au/subscribe. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.